You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. As we continue our adventure into the era of COVID-19, we are continuing to map how to handle the Bride Ministries Spring Advance. Uh, A number of you have signed up for that. We are very, very excited for it, except for one thing. It is May 14th through the 17th, and the question is, what is going to happen in the month of May? And the truth is that nobody really knows. And so we've kind of committed to a certain stance at Bride Ministries that we're just not going to be in fear or intimidation of COVID-19. But at the same time, there's the reality of the situation. If borders are closed and travel is impossible, uh, we're not going to have an event. So uh, we are tracking it. What does that mean for you? Well, for those of you that have signed up, you know, you're going to be getting communication from us and I'm giving regular updates on our church and this podcast. But essentially, this is the solve. We are going to be looking to the end of the month. There is a very real possibility that the country reopens April 30th, as the president has said. If that does not happen and things extend, well, look, we're going to be doing one of two things. We're going to be contacting everyone that has signed up for the advance, and you will either, A, have the option to roll over your registration to the fall Bride Tribe advance, or B, we will give you a full 100% refund. So we are going to take care of those of you that have signed up either way. And if you would like to come, barring anything goes wrong, you can still sign up at our website, Bride Movement. Dot com. Now, there is a lot going on at BrideMovement.com. We do have our church meeting every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We want to invite you to attend that. We've been having such a good time. We allow attendance not only on our platform, which is live.BrideMovement.com. That's where the video is streamed. But also, we are streaming to Facebook. And so you can find our church live stream at Bride Ministries. Facebook page. You can also find us on our YouTube channel, and you can also find our live stream on Roku app as well as Apple TV. So we are definitely expanding the number of platforms through which we can be viewed live on Sunday evening. So join us at the place that makes you feel the happiest. Now, I also want to say thank you for those of you that continue to sow into us during the season. Let me tell you something. Uh, There is a reward from heaven and there is an economy from heaven. And it is independent of the economy in the earth. There is an abundance in heaven that is independent of anything going on in the earth. And it is there for us. And so I want to encourage you, keep sowing even in this season of uncertainty. I know my wife and I are certainly committed to doing that same exact thing. Uh, If I don't do it, I don't preach it. Now, in addition to that, look. Uh, We are very excited uh, to tell you about our app. Almost 2,000 of you have downloaded it already. If you haven't already got the Bride Ministries app on your iPhone or Google Play, get it. It is free and it has uh, free access to our most recent servants as a benefit. Otherwise, you have to go to the website and pay for them. So why not get some free goods 
for downloading a free app. And uh, by the way, I, it'll also give you push notifications and tell you when we're going to have a church service, let you know when a new podcast is uploaded. You'll have easy access to follow our prayer resources right from that app. And it's beautiful, by the way. So keep an eye out for that. And I am just going to get right to the podcast. Look, guys, short intro. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Folks, we are back on Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall, and I am introducing you this week to a new guest for this podcast. Her name is Jackie Ford, and she's an evangelist. And the honest truth is, guys, I actually don't have a lot of evangelists on this podcast, so this is like a real treat for us. I met Jackie a year ago, actually, at Field of Dreams. That is a church in Adelaide led by my friends, Todd and Rachel Weatherly. Shout out to them. Jackie has preached in a number of places around the world. As a matter of fact, right now we are speaking at a time where she would have otherwise been in Pakistan. So she uh, teaches the truth of Jesus, salvation in his name with signs and wonders following some of the things that she has seen she'll be sharing with us today and Jackie welcome to discovering truth thank you for having me on Daniel I'm very excited and humbled to be here well you know I, I'm excited I mean you're you're like a, a glory Jesus junkie I, I I know that I mean if the spirit of the Lord is there you're like running after it is <laughs> but this this passionate relationship that you have with Jesus exists for a reason um, because you weren't born that way. And so you have a powerful testimony, Jackie. And I, I really want to get started there. Um, because there, there was a, a, a life that led you to a point where you were suicidal. Can you just open up and, and, and take us on that journey? I'd love to. So... I, I was very successful in the world and I kind of built my identity out of my career and to the world it looked so amazing, you know, six-figure income, real estate, I lived by the beach in Sydney, I pretty, had pretty much a wild lifestyle, um, disposable income and uh, to the world it looked so amazing but I was so barren on the inside and I was just wondering, you know, what's the purpose of my life and I remember going out into the city one night and there was a woman, a little beautiful little Asian lady, and she came up to me and she said, you know, do you know the purpose of your life? And, and I thought, wow, I don't actually know the purpose of why I even exist, why I'm even alive. And later on, I just think about, you know, the rocks will cry out. So it, she was like a rock crying out, you know, do you know your purpose? And so that led me on a bit of a trail to kind of find out why am I even alive? Why do I even exist? And, um, and I just remember, you know, that, that night, it kind of led me in a different direction. And, you know, I, my lifestyle, I was going to festivals. I was, you know, snorting cocaine. I was walking red carpets. I was walking in, 
I was working in the entertainment industry in Australia, you know, I'd walk the red carpet and there would be like Keanu Reeves or Robert Downey Jr. And, and I remember at times I'd be walking the red carpet and then all of a sudden the paparazzi would snap my picture and then they'd say, oh, who is she? And they'd say, oh, she's a nobody and they'd put their cameras away. So I had this like crazy lifestyle and then I was running finance departments and God just put a gift on my life for analytics and uh you know I was always thinking about you know how you can make money and I was so embedded in the world and my career was my identity and so when I came unstuck and I remember I was with uh two of my mates and we were driving actually we bought a van in America and we we're driving around the states and I remember sitting there in the back of this van and and I was like thinking what's the purpose of my life and I really was thinking really hard about it. And I thought, well, what's the purpose if you just live and then you breathe and one day you just go to ash? And then all of a sudden I started having suicidal thoughts and actually went, when I came back to Australia and I went through some really hardcore abusive uh, situation. And I remember just being totally, feeling like I was gonna end my life and I'd already decided how I was gonna end my life. And this was about 13 years ago and I was sitting there at the beach and I'd already decided in my heart how I was going to end my life and what I was going to do. And I remember it was my, my last ditch attempt and I'm sitting there at the beach and, I, and I, I cried out to God and I said, God, if you're really real, if you actually exist, you need to come right now. And I prayed that prayer and I meant it with my entire heart. I really meant that prayer. And I had those big sunglasses on, you know, and I'm sitting there just minding my own business, me just crying out to God, like, if you're really real, come now, because I know what, exactly what I'm going to do. And I remember just sitting there and uh, crying out. And then all of a sudden, a woman walked up to me and, and she handed me a sunflower. And I put my hands out like this. And she put the sunflower in my hands and I took it and then I turned to say thank you to her and she disappeared. Wow. And I found out later on, I read in the Bible that we could be entertaining angels and not even know it. And I know that God sent that angel in that moment so that he could show me that he's really, really real. And he he was answering my prayer. He was answering my prayer to show me that he's really real. And there, there began my relationship with Jesus. And I went to church and then I got radically delivered. And it was probably about um, almost a year after I got saved. And I was in church one day and I remember someone put their hand on my shoulder. And the next moment, I bam, I'm on the floor. The Holy Ghost is completely all over me, all over my body in all of my veins was like liquid love. And for 45 minutes, I shook under the power of God on the floor, like vibrating under the power of God for 45 minutes. And my whole body was just totally consumed by love. And, and for me, cause I'd had a pass of taking drugs and like ecstasy, snorting coke and all those things. This was like the greatest high. And I came out of that high 
totally transformed. You know, God healed me of post-traumatic stress disorder. He healed me of trauma. He broke fear off of my life, fear of man, fear of the future. You know, he was like God himself stamped himself upon me and I just shook and fire went through my whole body. And after that encounter, I was never the same. Wow. You know, I, I, uh, I don't actually talk about this very often because when I'm sitting here, my podcast or on church or when I go places, I often mention, look, guys, I, I gave my life back to Jesus when I was in college. And then I just move on. But the interesting thing is that quite literally, one of the first revelations that I had when I turned my life back over to God is that I was in a deep place of contemplation. And I was like in that place thinking, what does everything that I do matter if I'm going to have to answer for it to someone that has an opinion of what my life should have produced? And it's, it, it was just, it's so simple. It's like living for eternity, right? God has a purpose for your life. Simple enough. But for me at that time, it was a profound, like, oh my gosh, this catalyst. I could do all this stuff and none of it matters at all. Even if it's good and people appreciate it and it blesses life. But if it's like not what I'm supposed to be doing and it just burns, what good is it? What, how, how, and I'm not a time waster by nature. It was a big, big deal for me. Wow, that's powerful. So you had this massive encounter with Holy Ghost. 13 years later, you're talking to me here on Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall, and you've been all over the world and done some really cool things. And uh, how, how was that transition for you out of the lifestyle, right? Because, you know, making all this money, red carpet, drugs, um, it sounds to me like a lot of that stuff just, you know, broke off your life with the encounter. But talk to me a little bit about the transition, Jackie. So I had uh, that encounter. And then it was the realization of eternity and how eternal we are. Mm. And, you know, that hit me really hard when I knew that one day I was going to stand before God and I would give an account for my life. And, you know, because I actually come from that point from an extremely broken state, all of a sudden God showed me that there's so many others that are also broken that also need to know, A, that they need to know that they have a need for a savior and B, he's the only one that can actually heal them. And so he just gave me a real hunger and desire to set the captives free and through love because faith works through love. And he showed me from day one that he is the only one that can love my soul. And so that was the revelation that I was walking in that Jesus Christ himself died for me and he's the only one that can really love my soul. Because even before that, I actually came from a lifestyle of promiscuity. I was like the woman at the well, you know? Jesus said to her, you've had five husbands and then the man that you're with now is not even your husband. And she got that word of knowledge from Jesus. And then she went out to the world and said, let me tell you about a man that told me everything that I ever did. And so God actually put that seed inside of me to go out into the world to actually confess his name before men. 
And not only that, I actually was out evangelizing before I even knew what evangelism was. You know, no one had even talked to me about evangelism, but yet I would go and buy like big bouquets of flowers and I'd walk around Centennial Park in Sydney and I would go out looking for the one. Like I would go and look for the people that were in despair or that I would see, like I would look at them and I would see darkness almost like hovering over them. And I'd say, God, is this the one? And he'd say, yes. And I'd go up to them and I'd just give them like hope and talk to them about the love of God and just tell them like how he sees them and knows them and he's pursuing them. And I would just go and do that before I even knew what it was to evangelize. I didn't even have like proper vocabulary. And so I'd cry out to God for people. And so God put a deep burning and intercession inside of me to cry out for souls. And that's what I did. And, and I remember I would just like, you know, I was um, working as well. And I'd wake up at, you know, 5 or 6 a.m. just to cry out for souls. And he gave me a hunger and a burden for souls. And not only that, for nations. You know, can nations be saved in a day? And I just have these crazy encounters and dreams through the night where I'd see myself like standing on a platform or I'd see myself out in a slum in the middle of nowhere and I'd be preaching the gospel and I'd seeing like thousands of people getting saved. And he put such a hunger and desire inside of me just to see like the multitudes in the Valley of Decision come to him. And he's just increased that burden over the years. And, you know, it's like Paulie said, I had a, you know, a thorn in my side. And if I can say that's the thorn in my side, it's the salvation of the masses. Let me, uh, let me ask you a question here. You clearly have had an encounter with the love of God. Now, I talk to a lot of people, Jackie, and I know a lot of people that trust Jesus for their salvation, but have not really had an encounter with the love of God, right? I want to let you talk about the answer to this question. What is the love of God? What does that really mean? <laughs> Well, that's a great question because as soon as you ask that, I could feel him completely like consuming me and flooding my heart. Oh my so God. his love is, is all consuming and his love is like fire and his love is greater than ecstasy and his love comes in so many different ways. You know, it, he is the lover of my soul, but the pure, undiluted devotion, fierceness, fire, you know, unrelenting and also just completely like pursuing, like he hunts you down with his love. He's hunted me down with his love. And, you know, he comes differently a lot of the time. You know, I remember in my kitchen, cause I spent a lot of the time with the Lord in my kitchen and, and he came recently as a canopy and he covered me. He spoke to me through the canopy Wow. And, and, you know, he says to me the most amazing things, but, you know, his love is also corrective. His love is defining. His love is unconditional. There's literally no conditions on his love, but his love also directs me and leads me. I feel him pressing up against my heart, giving me impressions, asking me to do things. And it's not, you know, with much who has been given, like, 
you know, I've received much from him. There's a high expectation on my life as well, but it's an honor to know him and it's an honor to confess his name. But I really love him, but he really hunted me down and that's what his love is like. It's consuming. So beautiful. Wow. Okay. Jackie, how do you help people connect to what you've encountered with God? Yeah, so many ways, and it depends on what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing. And, you know, yesterday I went into a store, like sports girl, and there was a girl in there, and, and I was talking to her, and I just started like sharing with her you know how the lord loves her and and she she said to me oh i have ms and the next thing i know i'm like in the store like delivering her from this foul spirit <laughs> i'm like breaking that thing off of her in the store and then the next attendant like stops and looks and what's going on here and then i prophesy over her and then you know people start listening and leaning in and that's just what it is god is um moving you know, I was on a, a train in Sydney in Pika and I actually just flown in like 20 something hours from Toronto and I'm on this train after a really long flight and there's a woman standing there in front of me and, and then the Lord's like, tell her I've got new beginnings. And so I looked at her and I was like, you, God has new beginnings for you. And she just said, oh my goodness, no one else would know that. She said, and I started prophesying over her and she said, this could only be God. And she started crying on this packed train. And she, she said to me, I started a new job today. You know, you're so right. And she was sitting there weeping. And then I felt the Lord say, Jackie, cause we had a captive audience by that stage because she was like, this could only be God. This could only be God. And so then I looked around and God's like, you know, my father, the voice of my father, he said, Jackie, will you tell them about me? And I said, tell who? And he said, them. And all of a sudden I found myself like opening my mouth and God's filling my mouth. And he is witnessing through me, literally like a packed train. And here I am preaching the gospel on a packed train and everyone's looking at me and I am just like going for it, telling people, you know, I was lost. I was suicidal, but then I met Jesus. He changed my life. He loves you. He sees you. And these people on the train, like they had nowhere to go and they had to listen. <laughs> and, and then I said, well, if anyone wants prayer, I'm going to be on the platform for five minutes. You can jump off the train at Central Station in Sydney. And so when I jumped off the train and then two people came out to receive prayer. And that's the love of God. And it's very confrontational. And it's also a stumbling block as well. And many people won't receive him, but he chooses people and he's so, it's his desire that none shall perish. And, you know, when we get this revelation inside of us, we can't help but, but witness his love. Hmm. Yeah. So how long was it from the time that you had your first encounters? You get this sunflower from an angel that just disappears in front of your eyes. You get whacked by the Holy Ghost vibrating on the floor um all of this and, and it's like dude there's a call to ministry here 
this isn't just for you to go right back to the world you came out of, but clean. Um, now you're being set apart. Like, uh, what was the time frame there? Yeah, pretty much straight away. You know, I, I think it was like the year after, I, you know, I flew to India and then I started preaching wow. in, you know, developing nations. And since then I've been to India five times. And so I get to do crazy things. So it's pretty uh, instantaneous. Um, but yeah, the Lord just, he just threw me right out there and just to be a witness. And so I love that I get to do these things. And, you know, I was in India a couple of years back and uh, I actually went to Reinhardt Bonke's School of Evangelism. I love and honor Reinhardt and his ministry and legacy. And so after um, that evangelism school, I thought, I'm going to do crusades. And so I just stepped out of the boat and I knew I was going to do crusades. And, and I remember being in India and, and I gathered all the pastors of, of uh, 21 different villages and I wow. gathered them together. I hired uh, rickshaws and I hired buses and I said, bring me the lost and I hired a stage. And then I just took 21 villages for Jesus. I just took that whole region for Jesus. And there were just demons flying out of people and the president as well from those 21 villages. She came and Jesus healed her back out of what a knowledge for her. Jesus healed her back and she confessed and she testified in front of all the villages and you know, so many people and all the rickshaw drivers, they were all like, they had these uh, idols all around their neck. So at the end of the crusade, I'm like cutting these idols like off their necks or their um, different gods and things that they're wearing around their necks. So I'm like cutting them off. And yeah, a lot of people got saved. And a sign and a wonder, I was like preaching in another village the next night. And I was like, God, just show me that you're here. Show me that you're here. And God speaks to me through uh, certain symbols. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm praying for sick people and, uh, and I say, God, show me that you're here. And then a dragonfly landed on my thumb and dragonflies represent the harvest to me and so god was showing me and so i'm praying for people and instantly after that dragonfly landed on my thumb i had a boy a 16 year old boy come up for prayer he'd been deaf and mute totally deaf and mute since a baby he was born that way and I pray for him and Jesus opened both of his eardrums. He was completely over sensory and he's looking around completely over sensory from all the sound. And his uh, sister was there. And for the first time in his life that he could hear his sister's voice and she stood there weeping, like uncontrollably weeping because her brother could hear her for the first time. Isn't that amazing? And so I love like when I step out of the boat, signs and wonders like dragonflies like god showing up in the most radical ways you, you know what i love about your story jackie this is so beautiful it it, it is very supernatural from day one very very much just an interaction with god's kingdom and you didn't have to necessarily go through the the death to the supernatural as a result of like really bad teaching for like a decade or two that you then had to unlearn and then figure out like God is still healing, still delivering, still, I, I mean, um, pouring out his spirit. 
So you're in India a year after you get saved preaching the gospel. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, now, and you, you, you've preached the gospel in Europe as well, Australia. Um, how, how have some of these supernatural connections come about? Well, it's interesting. I find like, you know, it, sometimes people might see testimonies because I post a lot, you know, on my page. I don't post everything, but I feel like people are inspired or encouraged. And that's the whole thing about testimony. It actually means do it again, God. Do it again. Do it again. So I think people perhaps are inspired uh, just seeing the testimonies. Um, of people getting saved because I love testifying about who he is and what he's done. So they might see testimonies and miracles or sometimes they get in contact with me or I'll meet people at different events, you know, when I've been to Awakening Europe and I sow my heart and time into that movement because I really believe that God's moving through mass, you know, mass salvations and crusades and so I just love going to serve and to spend my time like empowering people to save souls. So, you know, Ephesians 4, like the, you know, the gift of evangelism, evangelism, it's for building up and edifying the bodies that people will be encouraged and it's for the gifts are for the church. So I just have a heart to serve and I love the church and God just uses me and I pray and he'll put an impression for a nation upon my heart and then I'll pray and, and he, God would just supernaturally open the doors of opportunity um, but yeah, as I go out, God just, he, he's so supernatural. I'm fully reliant upon him for everything. You know, he's my provider and he just opens the doors and, and, you know, he's so great at doing that. And I've never had to push. I don't believe in pushing a door open or self-promotion or anything like that. And, you know, my platform is his. And so I just love that I get to go to these nations. And last week, I was in New Zealand and I got to train up 120 evangelists at Harvest Now. And I was with my friends, Dad Shettle, who's such an on-fire evangelist in New Zealand. And Ben Hughes, he led the Pineapple Revival. So they're in Texas at the moment. They're amazing. And Andrew Cannon, he's from the UK. So all these on-fire guys and I, we got together and we had Harvest Now and we were just training up. We trained up 120 evangelists. It was such a powerful time. There was a lot of salvations and a lot of glory and a lot of deliverance. All right. So um, on that subject, uh, there is an interesting thing. So, so that weekend that you were doing this in New Zealand, uh, you had an encounter with a... Uh, spirit behind coronavirus and so i, I want to let you talk a little bit about that um because i found that very interesting yeah so it was actually part way through the night and then this spirit was trying to intimidate me mm -hmm. and i was like what is that and i felt like it was coming at me and 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 i it was the coronavirus and it was what was behind the coronavirus which is the spirit of fear or intimidation and it was trying to intimidate me and so i worshiped the lord and i said god what do you want to do and so when i was worshiping him he said i'm going to heal my people 
And uh, so I was preaching that Saturday night. So he said, I'm going to heal people tonight. Because, you know, that intimidation, it's such a liar. The devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus gave a life and life more abundantly. And so I was just like, Lord, what are we doing? And he's, I, I said, he said to me, I'm going to open the ears of the deaf. And so I've, okay, let's do this. So on Saturday night, the Lord said, now I'm going to do it. So I just asked everyone who had deafness, partial deafness, industrial deafness, ringing in the ears. I said, stand up and prayed for all of them. And something broke in the atmosphere. And then I had nine people stand up and testify of healing of deafness in their ears. And it was so crazy. Some of them, you know, had industrial deafness. I had one man for 20 years. He had ringing in the ears from industrial deafness. And God totally healed him in that moment. I had another man. He had deafness, partial deafness for 25 years. And his hearing got totally healed. And so there were nine people that stood up and testified of Jesus healing them from deafness. And so I feel like God's giving us eyes to see, ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying and doing in this hour. And I feel like him healing those nine people was a prophetic sign and wonder as well for the church because he's opening our ears. He's showing us, like revealing himself to us, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God. He's opening, opening our ears to hear what he's saying and doing in this hour. And we will not be intimidated. You know, no foul spirit, including coronavirus, will stop the gospel being preached to the ends of the earth. And so that's a revelation the Lord's given me. And I feel like in this time, in this hour, it's time to profess his name because we're going to see signs and wonders. And Jesus called the 12 disciples to himself and he gave them dunamis power and authority. That's explosive power. And Exusia, he gave power and authority. And so I feel like it's time to exercise that power and authority. Well, clearly. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Um, and look, this is the, the thing. The, the weekend after, you know, they declared national state of emergency over here in the U.S., you know, everyone's talking about coronavirus. So, of course, here I am. I have to talk about coronavirus. And, I, you know, it's just so clear to me, right? The moment I go into prayer and I start asking God about it, he's like, dude, it's a spirit of fear. Like, there, and, and, and it's manipulation through fear, right? Because we're going to get the whole world to kowtow to the agenda. And everyone is very intimidated. You know, well, can we go over here? Oh, I don't know. I might get corona. It's like, and, and most people survive. I mean, it's, it's not even that lethal. Like, you, you talk about, like, some swine flu and H1N1 and SARS, like, much worse that we've seen come and go. And it's just like, you know, here, this one is just not as lethal at all. And people are so afraid. And so um, the idea that there's intimidation behind this thing is very clear. <laughs> people are getting intimidated. And um, isn't that the devil's strategy? Is he is such a liar. He is a liar, liar, pants on fire. The devil's <laughs> going down all of this. <laughs> I really believe there's going to be a worldwide healing revival. There'll be signs and wonders. You know, every time Jesus healed, like someone that was demonized in the Bible, people had the fear of the Lord. There was such an awe and a wonder. And so I believe 
there's going to be signs that will make people wonder, but we're going to see the miraculous, dunamis power of God. But all we need to do is believe, lay our hands on the sick, and they will recover. And it's not a time to shrink back. And I think we forget sometimes, like when that spirit of intimidation and the enemy can try and intimidate us through multiple ways. And this, I think, is one of the testimonies, I guess, of my life is how much the devil has tried to intimidate me. But the more more ingrained and embedded that I get in the word of God and encountering him, the more that I know that his love and his power and the blood of Jesus is way more powerful than any spirit of intimidation. Mm-hmm. You know, and when, when I met you, Daniel, I had the most crazy encounter and it had, um, you know, to do with the spirit of mockery as well. And so I feel like God is, is doing something really radical in this time. So, uh, uh, he is doing something radical. And just so people don't think that the spirit of mockery was coming from me. <laughs> no, <laughs> he delivered me from that. Come on. He delivered me. Sorry, I should have framed that up a little different. But, you know, God actually used you to deliver me from whole bunch of things uh last year when i met you daniel because can i tell the story so i would love for uh, you to tell the story please do my my father um you know the devil's a lying spirit and my father unfortunately had a brain tumor and within three months you know, my father signed a do not revive form and I believe uh, there was a power upon his agreement. And so my father actually, uh, he, he said he wanted to go to Jesus and the words of the dying man were, thank you, God, you saved me. And I say, dad, he saved me too. And he said, thank you, God, you saved Jackie. And so my dad was he was, he was wanting to go to Jesus and this tumor was killing him. The spirit was the, you know, the devil was killing him. And I remember my father, the last conversation I had with my father, I said, dad, you're going to be there in heaven and you're going to be watching me and I'm going to save many, many souls. And I said, you're going to watch me and you're going to celebrate with heaven, those souls that I'm going to bring into heaven. And my dad was so frail. He was like within days of taking his last breath. And his very frail hand came up and he put his hand on my face like this. He rested his hand with all of the energy that he could muster up. And he said, Jackie, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And so then that's my dad's final words. And so, and I remember when he passed away, And then the day after he passed away, I flew back to Adelaide because I knew I had an appointment with you, Daniel. And so there I am in this room and all of a sudden you said, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. You didn't even know this, but that was my dad's favorite Psalm. And that Psalm had been read over him by me multiple times, you know, as he was passing away. And when you said that Psalm, Jesus, he, he took me to heaven. And so I'm there in heaven. Jesus took me through the gateway. Jesus is the gateway. And there I am standing in heaven. And all of a sudden I see like the glory of heaven. 
And then I look up and I see the great cloud of witnesses there in front of me, like a grandstand. And then all of a sudden, one of the faces I look and there's my father in the great cloud of witnesses. And then he comes so close to me, like really close to me. <laughs> wow, I can feel the Lord. And he comes so close and his face is like radiant and shining and his teeth are as white as snow and his face is so radiant, like glowing in the glory. And my dad is like, look at the glory. And I'm just seeing the beauty of heaven and the beauty of the glory. And my dad, because I was so grieved and I felt so mocked because what had happened is that I'd been mocked for my faith because I stood there in the gap and really pressed in. And I really believed that I was going to see healing for my father, for my dad, when he was in his natural body. And I'd cried out to the Lord and I'd prayed and I'd cried out and I'd seen the miraculous. You know, I'd seen God move. I'd seen the deaf ears open, the blind eyes were seeing. I'd seen the miraculous and I believed for my dad to be healed. And because of that, I'd been radically mocked, mocked for my faith. And I remember my dad looking at me and the joy was so explosive on his face. And my dad said to me, he said, Jackie, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to the glory that will be revealed. And I thought, wow. And it brought so much healing to my heart. And he said, look around, look at the glory. Like he was showing me the beauty, the extravagance, the, the wonder of the glory. And the, he was showing me the things that you're suffering now, like the grief that you're suffering now is not worthy to the glory that will be revealed. And it was so beautiful. And then all of a sudden, he said to me, my dad said to me, Jackie, there's no mockery in heaven. My father in heaven said to me, Jackie, there is no mockery in heaven. And then all of a sudden, Jesus appeared next to him. And Jesus said to me, this is what I did to the spirit of mockery. And then I saw the Roman Empire soldiers and they came and they were laughing and they were mocking Jesus. And then all of a sudden they brutally, I watched them, they were whipping him and blood was going everywhere out of his back and Jesus was just ripped apart. And Jesus was saying, this is what I did to the spirit of mockery. And so basically this side of eternity is the only time that we'll have to be mocked for the gospel. But in heaven, there's no mockery. In heaven, there's no mockery at all. But what a privilege that we have this side of heaven when we're mocked for witnessing or mocked for confessing his name. And so God showed me that and it made me like fearless. Because even if I'm mocked for the gospel, if I'm mocked for my faith, there's a greater glory in the sufferings of this present time and not even worthy to the glory that will be revealed. And so God showed me that. And not only that is my father actually commissioned me from heaven. Aww. He said, Jackie, he said, go wherever, do whatever, glorify God. My dad told me that from heaven. He gave me like permission to go wherever and do whatever, but glorify, glorify his name. That wherever I go, I'm just called to glorify him. 
And so that, that is such a profound like revelation that consumed me that I live out of that place that when I witness or when I confess or when I'm mocked for him, that there's a greater glory and that in eternity, like, you know, there's such a beautiful celebration, you know, when one soul comes into the kingdom. And so my father just gave me permission as well. Like, you know, it's almost like saying, go to the nations and glorify Jesus, like go to the nations and glorify Jesus. And so I just like broke off my life, like grief, trauma, you know, that I was carrying the mockery, you know, I even, I did my father's eulogy. And when I gave his eulogy, you know, my dad was an atheist. And then when he met Jesus, everything changed. So I got to weave the gospel into his eulogy, but I was so mocked. I was mocked, you know, when we're mocked by the people that that we're in close proximity to or in relationship or when it's family, it hurts. The wounds hurt so deep, but actually instead of shrinking back, Jesus is saying, I've already, you know, he's showing us, this is what I did to the spirit of mockery. Like, go forward, witness, confess my name because in heaven, there's no mockery. There, okay. So, um, there's something on this, obviously, uh, Jackie, there's a whole bunch of people listening right now. They have been stalked, upended uh, in their calling, um, in things God has graced them to do because intimidation has set in. Because something didn't work out and they were mocked. As a matter of fact, they prayed for someone, they weren't healed. You know, they stood in faith. It didn't go the way they expected or hoped it would. And they've lost confidence and they're stuck. Jackie, can you pray for us? Yeah. Yeah, so I just speak to people's hearts right now in any grief or loss or trauma or anything that maybe you don't even have a vocabulary vocabulary for it. Maybe you have been through a situation that has caused you incredible pain mm -hmm. and maybe you've shrunk back, but I just speak healing right now. I just pray right now you would take all of that suffering and pain and that you would sow it into the father's heart. I pray that you'll take up all of that pain. Maybe you close your eyes and before you, you just give that pain back to the father. And so I just command that grief and that loss and suffering and all of those heavy laden burdens that you've been carrying around. I just break them off you right now in Jesus name. And I just command right now that spirit of intimidation, that lying spirit, any labels or any curses or any, any mockery that's been trying to like water you down and make you shrink back. I just break that off you right now in Jesus name. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. I break off intimidation. I break off fear. I break off mockery. I break off torment. I break off shame right now in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Father. And we just sow all of that 
into eternity. We sow all of that into the Father's heart. And I just feel like as well, someone that you have almost like a distrust uh, for God because of what's happened in the past. And I feel like the Lord's like breaking that off you right now. He's breaking that feeling of distrust. And I saw someone's emotions. It's like, you know, this fight or flight, like fear mode. And I feel like God's going to break fear off of you right now that God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So I just release peace, the peace of heaven that surpasses all understanding to guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. And I break off as well, uh, just a spirit of death, any cancerous spirit as well that's trying to um, bring, uh, just say this, uh, murder, any spirit of murder, any suicidal spirit, any trauma that's tried to come against you and stop you and block you. I break that off you right now in Jesus' name. And I release peace and I release holy acceleration over your life. That's what I'm hearing in the spirit, holy acceleration. I release acceleration right now over your life. And I lift that heavy burden off you right now. No more heaviness, no more burden, no more shame, no more trauma. And I release divine acceleration that you will accelerate in the things of God. And I just saw a steam train, like a steam engine, and it was going at full pelt and full speed. And I just released the redemption of the Lord over you. God is redeeming time. And I had this encounter where I saw time wrap around me and time launch out of me. And God says, I'm redeeming the time and those things that happened to you, but now there's things that are going to happen through you. And I saw God moving and redeeming the time. And so I feel like the Lord is saying that he has redemption for you, that he's going to make beauty for ashes and joy for mourning and praise instead of heaviness. But at the same time that God is actually going to take all of those things and turn it into a testimony of his goodness. And so I just pray that you'll go forth in the things of God. And I feel like he is giving you that supernatural dunamis power. And I speak of you that your greatest days are ahead and that the latter glory will be greater than the former glory. And I just release acceleration, acceleration, acceleration over you in Jesus' name. Amen. That's good. So good. So good. Um, you know, uh, people get stuck, Jackie. And um, I know that as of this podcast, because if someone pushed play, um, there is acceleration and deliverance coming. And, and, and um, you know, this is a, a new, it is, I wasn't even talking about this last time I was in Australia. It's like we're, God is unpacking like a new era of, of a move in this world. Like there's so much to be excited about, right? And it's like, we have not been this way before. It's not business as usual, but there is nothing more that the enemy would like to do than to circumvent this reality from people's hearts right at the outset through intimidation and fear. It's like, there's this whole thing opening up. You know, we are finally stepping into a generation that is 
I believe, going to finish the divine commission that the apostles in the book of Acts started. I tell people all the time, I'm like, look, the church in the book of Acts was kindergarten. We are the rest of that story. Like that's now, like what they did, that's, that's the step that we get to stand on as we go further. And you know, this is not a popular message in some groups, but it doesn't matter. It's like God's going to do it anyway. And he's going to use whoever's got their hand in the air. But the people that have their hand in the air are going to have to be okay with acceleration and walking without fear. Yeah. I love it. And I think that we need to recognize the times in the season because mm. I think this is the church's greatest hour in mm. our greatest time. And everything that's been happening uh, against us has been pressing up against us. And I feel like it's time to pursue the answer instead of feeling intimidated and shrinking back. You know, I think it's time to sharpen our swords and, and be full of the oil and, and not be, you know, one of the foolish virgins, but actually be so, you know, pressed into what, what the spirit of the Lord is saying and doing. And that's why I think he opened those nine eardrums because, you know, we need to listen and lean into his voice. But I think that Jesus said that you'll do greater. And I asked him about that and I was like, what do you mean we will do greater? And the Lord reminded me of, you know, Elijah and Elisha. And, you know, Elijah, the signs and the wonders and the miracles that he did was so powerful. And he did crazy things. He outran the chariots. He saw God answer by fire. He was intimidated by Jezebel, that, that foul spirit of intimidation, after his greatest victory. You know, he, prophets got slaughtered, false prophets got slaughtered, and he saw God show up in the miraculous, but yet he was cowering when Jezebel was saying, I'm going to kill you. You know, I just think that, you know, you know, we need to stop shrinking back, and this is our greatest hour. And the whole thing about us doing greater, you know, when Elijah went up and Elisha was watch, watching him, go up and he wanted a double portion when Elijah was going up you know he said where is the God of Elijah you know he wanted that double portion but he sought it from the Lord yeah he picked up the mantle but instant instantly he he, he did his first miracle and the recognition of that mantle was upon him through the other prophets seeing and experience him doing a miracle and so I think we need to stop looking at the recognition of man, but say, where's the God of Elijah? And just step out with the authority that God's given us. Because, you know, authority, I say authority is like, you know, a cop with a badge. You know, a cop can't do their job without their badge because it's their authority. But God's already given us the badge. And I feel like we just need to use that God-given authority, that, that mantle and say, where's the God of Elijah? And say, you know what, our forefathers... They performed the miraculous and did signs and wonders, but I'm going to outrun them and, and be like Elisha and, and, you know, go after the double portion and press into his face and, you know, see the miraculous. And I had this crazy encounter with John 17 because, you know, it's actually about being a revealer of his glory and the same glory that is between the father and the son is the same glory that God's revealing through our lives 
and even that. through the love that we'd be known through one another. And that that is, you know, we're called to let our light shine before man so that people would see our good works and glorify the Father in heaven. And so I just think that we need to stop shrinking back and press on towards the prize and calling in Jesus Christ and had a crazy encounter when I was asking the Lord about, you know, show me John 17 and show me the greater works. And, you know, how can I, you know, how can this actually happen that we're called to do greater? And the Lord actually took me in the spirit and he took me to, um, he took me to the UK and I was sitting there in um, Smith Wigglesworth's house and Smith Wigglesworth was a very like he was a very strong mighty man and I'm like sitting there very like astute and you know this powerful man of God and he's sitting on one side of me and I could feel you know like vibrationally I could feel God's presence like emanating off the faith it was like tangible you know faith is a substance of things hopeful the evidence of things yet to be seen I could feel the substance of faith emanating off this man of God and and the Lord was about to show me John 17 and I said how is that? How am I meant to be a revealer of his glory? And then on the other side of me, all of a sudden, Lester Sumrall was sitting there. Uh-oh. And, you know, and, and I know that they were friends and I, I know there was an impartation from Smith Wigglesworth to Lester Sumrall. And I know Lester Sumrall had a miracle ministry and he saw literally like, I'm sure there were millions of people brought to Jesus and Smith Wigglesworth, he had an amazing healing ministry. You know, he would throw dead people against the wall and cast the spirit of death out of them in Jesus name. And so the Lord put me between the two, you know, in this encounter, and I was feeling the impartation from Smith Wigglesworth through me in the spirit to Lester Sumrall. And that was, you know, between the father and the son, the receiving between the father and the son, because Lester actually received Smith's mantle and carried forward the miracle mandate ministry, which is the same thing as Elijah and Elisha the double portion. And so there I was sitting the glory between the father and the son that God's going to reveal that same glory through me. And so through this, God showed me the greater works, you know, so he was showing me receiving from Smith to Lester, but it was the glory that he was showing through me that he's going to actually use me for the end times harvest. And I feel like even people listening to this, that there's the end time harvesters, you know, the combined harvesters that we're called to go out and to harvest and to do greater works. And so that's how the Lord showed me John 17, the same glory between the Father and the Son, I'm revealing through you. And so I just want to encourage people that there's greater works and there's greater glory. And, you know, even that encounter, the sufferings that you've been through are not even worthy to the glory that will be revealed. So it's time to reveal the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you about leaning in. You use this term. You said we have to lean in to God. Mm-hmm. So people have different strategies for leaning in. Jackie, what's yours? How do you lean in to God? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because it's all relationship and it can be totally different. And, you know, God's so amazing because, you know, we don't need 
he doesn't set it up one way and then that's it. He's so relational and sometimes it's like totally different. And sometimes, um, you know, as I said before, he'll come as a canopy, but leaning into him is just for me, I find is a recognition that he's instantly there. <laughs> and that may mean just literally like closing my eyes and saying, God, like I open my heart to you and I just want to hear from you today. And I'm so open for you to speak to me at any point and even committing my day to him. And, you know, sometimes like late last night, I was there worshiping at like midnight, having communion with him, worshiping him in my kitchen at my kitchen table. And, you know, sometimes he'll like hover over my heart or sometimes he'll give me like direction or sometimes he'll rebuke me in love. Um, but I always love hearing from him and leaning into him. It just looks different every time. You know, a lot of the time I encounter him through worship. So I've, or even thanking him, like, thank you, God, that you saved me. Like, thank you, God, that you are watching over me. Thank you, God, that you blessed my life. Thank you, God, that you restore me. And so even just thanking him because he inhabits the praises of his people. So when we're thanking him for the simple things, he's inhabiting our praises. And so I find like that's a really simple way to lean into him is just start thanking him in that spirit of gratitude. And sometimes as well, I just like to sit there with him and just thank him or journal. I, I have literally like like so many journals where I write like love letters to the Lord. And so I find like writing to him, even expressing my heart because we can know about God, but are we actually presenting our hearts to him in a vulnerable way that enables him to come into every part of who we are in that utmost place of absolute vulnerability. And so I feel like, you know, a huge way of leaning into him that I have is just by journaling and what are you saying? What are you doing? Or expressing my heart to him because he, he likes to hear, you know, some of the miracles in the Bible, he's like, well, what do you want? And he's like, you know, it's so people, he wants to hear what we want. And, and the spirit of the man is the lampstand of the Lord. So his Holy spirit within us is actually hungering and desiring for God within us. And that lampstand is the, is the light of the Lord within us. So when we hunger for him, and sometimes I say, like, God, give me in, a, in an, an unsatiable hunger for a certain thing. Like lately, I'm like, God, give me an insatiable hunger for souls. And that's been my cry. And especially with this coronavirus as well, like, God, give me in an insatiable hunger for power. Give me an insatiable hunger for deliverance. Give me an insatiable hunger to see the dead raised. And so I ask him for that hunger because I know that his spirit within me is his lampstand within me. And he's able to give me desire himself from within me for those things. And the Bible says that, you know, it talks about, you know, his will and you know, you know, basically like, behold, in the volume of your book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O Lord. And, and, I, and that's a key as well. Like, God, give me the delight to do your will. 
even the restoration of the delight to do his will is extremely healing because he can put that that um, hunger inside of us to see his will. And then when we actually do it, the delight of the Lord is totally, it can overtake us and propel us forward in the things of the Lord. So I think that there's some keys in there as well to help people just to press into him. And also to understand him, like lately I've been reading the word and sometimes I'll get stuck on a scripture and I'll feel the Lord on it. And then I'll start to unpack. And you know, I was looking at the word witness and what it means to be a witness. And the Lord had me look up the, the original meanings and go back to the origin of the word. And you know, to be a witness is actually to be a martyr. That's right. That's literally yeah. what it means. <laughs> yeah. To, to live our lives in such a way that we lay ourselves we, we lay our lives down for him. And Jesus was the greatest all-time martyr. And, and to be a witness is actually to, you know, God loves us and he cherishes us. But when we lay down our desire, it's actually we're dying to ourselves and dying to the things of the world because friendship with the world is enmity with God. And so we need to like lay down those things, and almost die to ourselves and be a martyr so that we can be a witness to all men. You know, it's so interesting because um, there's another passage in the book of Psalms that says, um, and his people shall be volunteers in the day of his power. Yes. And that word volunteer actually means free will offering. That was one of the biggest like moments I've had when I figured that, like, you know, it, it is really powerful. Free will. Yeah, I love that scripture. And it is a free will. And, and that talks about in the day of his power. And I believe that this, these are the days of his power. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. Well, Jackie, um, this has been a lot of fun. Is there anything yeah. else that you really have burning that I haven't actually asked you to share on? You know, uh, I would love to share this, that, um, you know, sometimes we can feel um, alone in what we're called to do. And I feel like that there's a real pioneering spirit upon people. And maybe people listening to this as well, maybe have felt quite alone in their calling. Um, but actually that pioneering spirit and Hebrews 11, it talks about how you know, the ones that have gone before us and that their testimony is not complete apart from us. And so I just want to encourage people to be reminded that heaven is watching over you and that heaven has a plan and that the prayers that you've prayed that are in alignment with God's will over your life are already answered, that God already says yes and that he already has the answer but he wants to give you the blueprint. So spending time with him and understanding his heart. And I feel like God wants to give people blueprints. And I feel like he wants people to know that you're not alone, that the great cloud of witnesses is actually watching over you, that there's more for you than who are against you. 
that no matter where to, no matter where you are at right now or what you've been through, that God will move upon your behalf and he'll create plans and strategy, strategies and present them to you. So I feel like God is actually giving us blueprints for revival, for families, uh, to implement the government of heaven. And we know that the increase of this government, there will be no end. And so I feel like God wants to give blueprints to people to move forward in their destiny and not feel alone and just to be mindful that heaven's in our midst. And so I feel like that's just an encouragement for people as well, because here's the thing, we may feel alone, but Jesus has already gone before you. Jesus, you know, we co-labor, we're co-heirs, we co-labor with Christ. And so one of the things that I have walked through you know, it's kind of like not feeling um, like feeling like I'm pioneering or forerunning, but feeling alone in my calling. And so I feel like God just wants people to know that heaven has your back, wow. that heaven's watching over you. And I just bless that pioneering spirit that you have. And I just encourage people to go forth because it's not time to shrink back. It's time to forge forward. And I really believe that acceleration is upon your life. But I pray right now that God will give you the blueprints, who to speak to, who to correspond with, uh, where to sow that money or that tithing to. And I just felt like the Lord say um, that's a, that it's a spirit that opposes the world. Like when you think about Joshua and Caleb, when they saw the giants in the land, but they knew, they knew that they were there to take the land and they had a different spirit. So even if you see the giants in the land, I just want to encourage you to go forth. And even though it may seem like, you know, what about this challenge or that challenge or this obstacle or that giant? I just want to encourage you that you have taken out the lion and the bear and now it's time to take it down Goliath and that you'll do it with the strategy of the Lord with the heartbeat of your father and you'll see heaven move and you'll take them the, those giants. And also as well, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Mm-hmm. You know, I really feel like sometimes we do despise and I used to despise the day of small beginnings, but the Lord rebuked me from that. And another thing is that I want to say this to women as well, because I think sometimes women feel like you're disadvantaged. If you're a woman and you love Jesus, And if you're called as well to preach the gospel, I just want to break it off you as well. Like don't shrink back and and don't despise the day of small beginnings and don't despise your birthright. You know, I said this to, as I was preaching last weekend, I said, don't despise your birthright. And I saw demons fly out of people. People started screaming on the floor. And I feel like a lot of people despise small beginnings and their birthright. I feel like God's saying, don't despise what I've given you. Don't despise yourself and don't despise your birthright because God's going to do amazing things in this hour. Wow. Well, amen to that. As a matter of fact, Lord God, I just thank you that scrolls and blueprints are being released right now. Lord God, I thank you the chains are dissolving right now. I thank you, Lord God, that the move of heaven is behind the things that have been shared in this podcast. And Lord God, that there is a massive uh, shift in many lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, Jackie, I was hoping that next time we talk, you would share how you really feel 
about things. That's a joke. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This was really good. I, I, I really appreciate you, Jackie, and your ministry. Um, you're doing just extraordinary things for God. And I know that this is going to bless a lot of people. And so, folks, I have been talking with Jackie Ford. And um, you can find her on Facebook. Um, I'm not sure if there's any other way that people can connect with you at the moment, although her website is under development. But um, she does post regularly testimonies of what the Lord is doing, uh, updates on different crusades she's involved in and so forth. And so you can just look her up, Jackie Ford. And um, Jackie, God bless you. Thank you. It's been my joy and privilege to chat to you today. Daniel, I love you and Christian. I love your ministry. And I feel so honored just to know you. And I've experienced your ministry firsthand and the deliverance that I encountered. So I just want to say thank you. You are welcome from both of us. <laughs> Folks, that's it for this week. Until next time. God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at brideministriesinternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.